It's time for Stars on Sports, a podcast radio show dedicated to sharing stories about our athletic program at Lansing Community College. LCC Athletics has a strong tradition. 24 national championship wins. Over 170 All-Americans. 19 MCCAA All-Sports trophies. Stars on Sports will introduce you to individuals that have contributed to our program's success and give you the backstory on what it takes to develop it. We'll also dive into and break down the topics and issues facing athletic departments across the nation and right here at LCC. This is Stars on Sports. Hello and welcome to another episode of Stars on Sports. I am joined by our assistant AD Stephen Cutter and our producer Journey. And today, Happy New Year, everyone! I don't know when this will get out on the circuit, but you know, for us, it's our first recording of the new year. And yes. um, knowing Coach Cutter and myself, we're excited. We, you know, we try and look for the best in many things. And 2023 was a great year for LCC Sports, and we hope to make it even better in 2024 and that's going to be predominantly what we talk about is reflecting a little bit on 2023 and also looking to um, 2024 so it's exciting it's you know a great time to be a star I you know in my third year here and I feel a little pressure I had a, a leader once tell me you get more done in your first three years on a job than you do the rest of the time so I keep that in the back of my mind like and I got to keep working to really get those things done that I came in here to do. And, you know, and that's, again, part of one of the things I want to talk about is we've talked about our one word in the path that, you know, I think, you know, John Gordon talked about that. And it's really resonated with me. I've never been a great New Year's resolution person, um, but I did like the one word thing. And, and last year, my my word was um, resiliency. And nice. um, just throughout the year, I would, I would go back to it, you know, especially you know, in everyone's job, you, you, you face challenges, you face obstacles. And, you know, my goal was to be resilient, keep fighting through. So I thought it was, it was productive for me. I thought it was a good way to the kind of, you know, it's kind of like a core value to me. And so still working on this year's word. I got a couple of them, but um, any, either one of you have a word for, from last year that you remember or a word for this year moving forward? I think that's good. You know, I try to look at like pillars of success, you know, and put some pillars together of what I think is going to help uh, me become more successful. And my word last year was consistency. And you'll hear me say that a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it's, it does parallel re the resiliency as well. Consistency, I as I started using it more and more, I realized how much it is a superpower and it's written on my board and very large yes, uh, in is. my office. And it says consistency is a superpower. And I think the more you can stack those bricks of whatever you're doing and, and just get consistent with it pretty soon, it just becomes a piece of who you are, much like what you said, a core value. Yeah. And, and consistency, the great word, that's one I had thought of because it's not easy being consistent, you know, especially when you've had success or when you haven't. I mean, like one of the books I want to read this year is, is what got you here won't get you there. And, it, you know, because you're here, you're not where you want to be. And being consistent helps you stay where you need to be, but also helps you move forward because you're not going back down. Right either so you know i like that on your board that consistency is a superpower that has that struck a chord with me and something you know i strive to to be and do too and i think it's important in our business you know uh, talking about routine or, or going to work you know that that's big in our business of you know having a structure having a plan having parameters showing up in place you yeah know, really showing up not just going to a spot but showing up mm -hmm. giving you know giving what you can to the utmost and that's important in everyday life. Like we tell our student athletes, show up the class. Mm -hmm. That's half the battle showing. And we, and we don't realize how many people don't show up, you know, and that, you know, we take it for granted some days, but in our business showing up is, is a big part of that battle. And then what, what do you do when you get there? But if you don't show up, you can't do anything when you get there. And, and once you don't show up, it's easier the next time not to show up, whether showing up. And because another thing that is big to me is when you show up, you know, 
give a hundred percent. And you know, one of the books I'm reading right now, and I, I would, this was going to be a book review. It talks about give a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. And mm. that's not easy mm. either. That's consistency yeah. mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. But, um, and I've, I've kind of been saying that, um, you know, parallels to the sports as well is that we're all playing a game that we can't win. So why not play it to the utmost? Excellent. Mm, that's point. good. That's digging deep in mm-hmm. life and, and, and true. And and I hope we can win, but in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things, what right. it's done, you right. know. Keep stacking bricks. And and winning's important and in the process important. You know, I just read something where we've talked about certain coaches at the, the highest level that might come across as as quirky, but they're so focused on the process that they they don't know how to handle out things outside of the process. And I think that's true of a lot of great coaches because the process is so important. And, you know, consistency is the word that keeps coming into that, right. that part of the process. And in and, and being successful, you need something to hold on to, to, to kind of remind you. Accountability partners. You and I have talked a lot about that, having right. an accountability partner to hold you to the ground, to, to keep you going in the right direction, whether you're falling behind or whether you're moving forward or in having too much success, someone to hold you that. Yeah, that's be, good. Be, go ahead. Yeah, so yeah, that's good. Um, you guys were talking about New Year's resolution. So I didn't have a New Year's resolution. I had a New Year's reflection. Okay. Kind of looking at, you know, what have I done? Um, one of the key things, you talked about consistency. And another thing is I read this thing about peaks and valleys, mm-hmm. about how to um, control your peaks. So the top of your game when you're at the best, mm-hmm. if you manage it well, you'll be able to control your valley. So when things get low, um, it won't be as bad because you control the times that you have the most success. That's yeah. excellent, Jeremy, because that's one of the ones I was kind of thinking of this year, too, is trying to be more calm, more level. I I like getting excited and, and pumped up when we win in that. But to your point, there are a lot of peaks and valleys in our job, which is what I'm referring to when I think of, mm-hmm. of a word. I know it's also true in the business world and life, but but trying to, to be level-headed and calm and maintain that composure, which I think I do pretty good in high-stress situations, but it's, it's very important to do it on a consistent basis. Maybe mm-hmm. we need to change this title today to consistency. But, <laughs> but, but another big thing you hit on, too, journey that I don't think we do well enough in our world today is reflecting. And, and, Mm -hmm. and I like reflecting. I had a a mentor tell me once that you need to spend time reflecting too many Mm -hmm. people don't, they just move on to the next thing, but it's hard to move on to 2024. If we don't reflect on 2023 and see, um, the good, bad, and the indifference. And, and, at some time during this podcast, I would like to reflect on 2023, but I'd like to save that to the end. And, you know, we can highlight some of the things that we remember from 2023. So let's continue um, talking about um, one word. Did you come up with your word for this year? Did you say coach cutter? I, be, I believe so. It's, it's um, efficiency. Oh, right. that is. And I, I started really th- thinking about that as I became more consistent and teaching what consistency looks like and how you can get better with it was, you know, finding that a lot of people, including myself, will have times where I'll say, I just don't have time. I don't have time for this or that. And when when you really get more consistent and start defining what those pillars look like and what's the most important things, then you've got to find how you can become more efficient in, in being able to do those things. And sometimes that means that you have to say no more. So, um, sometimes you're saying no to other people. Sometimes you're s- just saying no to yourself. But uh, really trying to find ways to become more efficient because at the end of the day, everybody has everybody gets 24 hours, you know, in their day. And if you look at a lot of the high achievers, the people that have had success in the business world, in the sports world, in life, um, they, they use those 24 hours differently. And so efficiency, I I think is going to be a main focus. I think that's a great word. And unfortunately not one, I think I'm very good at, which leads to productivity too. And, um, one of the reasons is because of saying no, um, Warren Buffett, who I like to read some of his stuff, you know, one of his number one leadership principles for highly successful leaders is saying no. You have to say no. Okay. Um, you have to, you know, get things done. You have to make time for yourself. Yeah. And and I struggle with that because I, I try to be servant based. So if someone mm-hmm. asks me to do something, I want to help them out. Mm-hmm. Or same with standard that you know, you know, to help them. 
but at sometimes, you know, if you have something that you need to get done or that's not helping you get to the standard you mm-hmm. want to get to, it, it can be counterproductive or, or put you in bind or not give you the balance or consistency mm-hmm. you need to, to get to your goal or standard. So I think that's very important and unfortunately something I have um, to do better at myself and a lot easier said than done, but you know, it's such an easy word, no, but in our business too, when you're trying to problem solve, I think it's hard um, because you do deal with a lot of people that come to you with problems. Another mentor of mine used to talk about, hey, step back a second, let them try and figure out the problem first and then see if they need you instead of, and we see that a lot with parenting today where we try and help our kids out instead of let them problem solve. And, you know, we deal with that at this level of them coming to and not necessarily know how to handle things or, or find ways to um, find the answer to their problems, especially um, on the academic side. And we have a lot of resources here, but for some of our student athletes, it's the first, uh, all of them, it's the first time being on their own. So um, we're experiencing that transition from, you know, being at home to being um, the one that is more responsible for those decisions. So maybe no should be my word for for the year, but I want something more positive, but (laughs) you know, no, not a negative word. We perceive Mm -hmm. it to be, but it it, it shouldn't be. It should be Mm -hmm. just a, a decision-making word. So I have not come up with mine. I'm still struggling um, to think of what it is. I have a couple of them. I have like phrases that I'm trying to think of, you know, I, I, I want to be better, you know, like, I feel I think, like your, your word should be digital, digital with that stack of paper sitting across from me right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I should bring my computer, but I told you, I don't like bringing my yep, computer because yep. then my files become every, read every, only. Everybody's got an excuse. <laughs> I like paper. I like writing things down, but maybe I've tried the digital rocket books or whatever, where okay. it, but I just like referring back to, to my paper. We had a coach's meeting the other day and I brought my pile of papers. That right. and you, my couldn't, joke. you couldn't find a couple papers until about halfway through. I found so. them though. I know <laughs> where they're at. It might take me some time to One get One hour to them. later, you got them. And, and that's true across my history. I People in my previous job would joke with me because I'd come to the meeting because I bring everything in case I need to refer mm-hmm. to something. I come prepared. Well, one time I was in a parking lot and I carried them and they blew all over. So I was <laughs> trying to scatter them. Um, people were helping me out and most of them weren't important. But yeah, I have stories with my piles. Even with the new AD at Mason, they joke he doesn't bring a, a backpack of a pile <laughs> right. to work. I take things home just in case I want to work on them. So could, maybe that is a good one could, for me. Could tie into efficiency as well. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I think Coach Cuz is trying to get you to be more efficient. And I told you that is a weakness <laughs> of me. And <clears throat> I'm open to improvement. I want to improve. Um, and maybe that is one way. That's been a hard one for me, as mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. I like carrying, you know, these are all our previous podcast notes in here in case I need to refer to them. Um, but yeah, digital. I, I like technology. <laughs> I embrace it, but I you like do. handwriting you things. Do. So I think uh, the word of the uh, for everybody is going to be uncomfortable. That's, that's a good one. We love that yeah, word. I mean, one. you can't grow unless you're uncomfortable and fight and, and to be challenged. Quo. Yeah. Fight the status quo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not, I mean, not that I like being uncomfortable, but I know it helps me be better. And that's my main goal too, is to be better. I mean, when I think of words for me, I want, I want to be better every day, be nice, be better. And that's, that's my goal. Those are my core values. And a good, a good way to attack that is if you have uncomfortable things that you need to do and you don't want to do them a good, a really good way to attack that is, um, put them on your schedule first thing in the morning mm. and and you come out of that with with a certain type of win feeling to yourself because you just you know w- it might not have been a great result in what you attacked but you still addressed it and you know I've heard people break it down as little as just making your bed in the morning mm-hmm. it's it's that is just something that's just a way to get a win and something that you can can control. But if you put those things that are a little bit uncomfortable, maybe it's that, that big meeting or that conversation or, you know, whatever it might be, um, you put it first thing in the morning, that that will help you set up your day to, to win a little bit more and it will make you feel much better. And I've gotten better at that too. I like mm-hmm. scheduling those things. That's one of the digital things I've done now is trying to schedule those mm-hmm. tasks and, you know, 
it's a competition to me. I get excited when I like achieve something that was uncomfortable or challenging. I come out and celebrate in the office and, and jump good. up and around, but because it's about stacking wind and building confidence yeah. for that next one. And, and I'd really try and prepare hard if it's mm -hmm. going to be that situation. So I work hard, you know, beforehand, you know, trying to plan and prepare everything. Cause there used to be a time when I was young, when I was young and in this job, I was, uh, overseeing, former coaches of mine. So it was kind of hard to, mm -hmm. to tackle uncomfortable yeah. things, but you know, it's like, do you walk into the water or do you jump into the water? <laughs> well, if you, if you jump in mentally, if you're just thinking about it like that, if, if, if you can address it in the morning, then it gets it out of the way. If you don't address it until the afternoon or the mm -hmm. evening, it's weighing on your mind. And mm -hmm. so that's affecting you one way, shape or form. It's, it's hard to measure that mm -hmm. piece of it, but it is affecting you. And so that's in the back of your mind and it just becomes a little bit harder to pull on that rope per se, because it's still sitting there. So if you can start addressing things early in the morning that are just uncomfortable for you, you, you set yourself up for success much better than if you just let it kind of sit there and fester until the afternoon or the evening. And it definitely impacts your day. I agree with you. And, and I think to a certain thing, even if you, you let it fester, some people hope it, it goes away and then you don't even address it <laughs> right. that day. Hope it, well, I can right. address it tomorrow, tomorrow. or, yeah. or that, you know, we'll put off it to tomorrow. Right. So yeah, I like, you know, if I, I want to get something done, I want to get it done and, and put it yeah. behind me to, to, to move on with our day. And hopefully it goes well, but either way, it, it's usually a relieving feeling that, you know, a weight off your shoulder or back that, you know, you can mm -hmm. celebrate and, and mm -hmm. stack wins. So, um, all good words, still trying to figure out mine. Um, all of them do fit into my year. I just need that, that best one. So mm -hmm. maybe at the next podcast we can figure out, but let's spend a little time in our last couple of minutes reflecting on 2023. And for me, it's, it, it's a lot of emotions. You know, we had a lot of success, on the field. But, you know, the first thing that I think of is, you know, in May, we had over 30 kids graduate. We had over 30 kids go on and transfer to four-year institutions. And those were the first student athletes I came in with. So I had them for two years. So develop close bonds with them. I try and get to know our student athletes. So I miss them. You know, it was, it was tough. I mean, I enjoyed being around them and now hope they can watch them succeed in the next phase of their life. But being here at a two year, you realize how fast it, quick it can go. And, but there's a lot of positive things, you know, talking to them and, and seeing the smiles on their faces and hearing um, their comments about their experience here at LCC. You know, this wasn't one of the ones that graduated May, but this is one that's going to graduate this May, talking about how he wishes, you know, LCC was a four year institution because he just loves it. Um, that much so you know those are things that are rewarding you know this fall at our volleyball games we had all our teams come out and regularly support um the volley pro program which has been an emphasis of ours and how cool to see that mm -hmm. collaboration and that support coming in fruition so those are things that i look back and think we're you know we're making a difference this is great our, our student athletes are having a blast but you know it's hard not to mention the success to a, a national championship you know World Series appearances by both our, our baseball and softball team in the same spring season. Volleyball making their first national appearance. You know, other teams having All-Americans or, or individual success. So, you know, every year we think, man, it's going to be hard to top the previous year. But, you know, that's our goal, you know, to be better this year on and off the field. We have goals academically with GPAs and, and you know, less, you know, struggles in the classroom, but do you have any memories that stand out for you for 2023 for LCC athletics or baseball? Quite a, quite a few. I think I'll rewind a couple years ago, two years ago, my word was joy and okay. it was really to try and try to find joy. It's easy to find, you know, joy in the things that are, you know, really rewarding or whatever, mm -hmm. but to try to find joy in in those tough things, mm -hmm. you know, when things kind of suck, like, suck like a little it. bit, it, it's, yeah. it, it, it's, so it was joy. And, and that became kind of one of my pillars and one of my fabrics. So when I think back on 2023, I, there was, there was a lot of joy, a lot of really special moments. And the, and that to me is so much more valuable than 
the things that were acquired. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can come out of a season, a year with with those with joy and and special moments, that that's so much more rewarding. So I, I look back on 2023, and obviously our our sports teams had a ton of success. We had a lot of student athletes that moved on. We had a lot of student athletes that. Um, grew in other ways mm-hmm. too and you you get a lot of that feedback and and so that that's one of those special moments when you do get the feedback when we do have just as you mentioned somebody thinking that LCC would be incredible if it was a four year you know yep. those, those are all wins to me and um, I think there was there was a lot of joy in 2023 and I look forward to 2024 and having even more. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. I always try and live by if you know, back to, I like seeing smiles because if it's not fun and you're not happy doing it, find something else to do. Absolutely. And unfortunately in my job, I still love waking up and coming every day. You know, I, you know, these large lotto jackpots are out there and I keep thinking if I win it, I'd still show up the yeah. next day to my job because I couldn't see myself doing mm-hmm. anything differently. And I, I think that's a really good point. If, if you are doing something that, that you love, you're going to say that if, if I did win the lottery, I might take a little bit longer of a, a trip here <laughs> or there. Right. But that right. being said, I'm going to, I'm going to continue you doing whatever it is that that you're doing that that is when you know that you're in the right spot but to your point at the end of the year if you're not happy then you got to make changes yes. and mm. and and success is you know you are happy and you found joy mm-hmm. and yes. and love and That's you know winning. relationships and and what mm-hmm. you're doing that continue to move you forward and be better and, and we talk about how this job is so fortunate because there's a lot about relationships um running you know i was actually picking up wings last night before the national championship. And I ran into our official that's going to be here tomorrow night. And we, you know, talk, but we wouldn't have that connection if it wasn't that sport that brought us together. But there should be joy in this, in this job. There should be joy for our student athletes. And that's the greatest measure of success. If they had fun and are happy when they're done, we were successful. And, and, you know, the other neat thing is real quickly that how successful they are doing at that next level. We have a handful that are excelling at a high level since they moved on. So, you know, again, very happy 2023, looking to attack 2024 and and make it even better. And happy new year, everyone. And go stars. Stars on Sports is recorded live at the WLNZ Studios. Engineering and production assistance are provided by Dadalian Lowry. You can listen to this episode and other episodes of Stars on Sports on demand at lccconnect.org. To find more information about our athletic program, visit lccstars.com. Thanks for listening. Go Stars! Featuring the staff, faculty, students, and others that helped to make Lansing's Premier College what it is today. You're listening to LCC Connect. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Every year, the Dental Hygiene Clinic at Lansing Community College provides essential services to people in the mid-Michigan community. Open to the public, the clinic is led by a licensed dental faculty and provides a platform for LCC dental students with the opportunity to hone their dental hygiene skills. Associated fees apply to the clinic services. To find more information, visit lcc.edu slash dental clinic. Lansing Community College welcomes transfer students. Transfer students may apply transfer credits towards their LCC degree, certificate, or transfer program. Learn more at lcc.edu slash belong. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hello, friends, and welcome to Coach Cuts Corner. 
Streaming bright from Michigan's capital city, this podcast is dedicated to helping you better understand the who, the what, and the why of mental performance, personal growth, and Lansing Stars baseball. Coach Cuts Corner, brought to you by iWatch. In collaboration with Lansing Community College. And now here's your host, Stephen Cutter. Welcome back to Coach Cuts Corner. I'm joined in studio this morning with Coach Boyer. Elijah, how are we doing this morning? Doing good. It's solid to hear. Today we're going to talk about sleep schedules. And uh, we just had Zach Sorensen fly into Lansing, mental performance coach for the Braves, mm-hmm. author of The Hard 90. He uh, works with the Stars, and so we'll kind of go over some of the stuff that he brought to the town. So what time do you get up in the morning, typically? Well... On average. On average. Um... It's usually between 7.30 and 9, yeah. for sure. Like if I had nothing to do, but since we're going five days a week with weights, now it's six every day. How much of an adjustment was that for you? Not a big one. Before this, when I was doing engineering, my day would always start at 8, you know, like yeah. the 8, 9 to 5 yeah. life. So I would always mm-hmm. wake up to work out before that, or otherwise I'd have awful day because <laughs> I'd just be sitting all day. That's interesting. I know you've been around as I've I've been teaching our our players about, you know, if you want to change your sleep schedule and you want to start getting up earlier and you're normally getting up at, say, 630, start getting up 15 minutes earlier and do that for 30 days. And then, you know, your body just can't tell that 15 minutes, you know, the next month you set it for 15 minutes earlier and you just keep stacking that pretty soon. You're getting up pretty early. I've done the exact opposite of that. Most of my life, I've been more on a sports schedule where sports are played in the afternoon or evenings and stay up really, really late working. And everybody's, for the most part, sleeping at that point. But feel like I could just naturally get a lot of separation doing that. And and then I, you know, just started thinking about, you know, how can you know how can you get better? And uh, I flip my schedule without doing any fifteen minutes per month. Yeah, kind of what I was teaching and. Have went the exact opposite, and now I'm getting up somewhere around 2 a.m. in the morning to 2:30 in the morning, and um, there's something to be said about that because you know we talk a lot about winning in our program, and it's hard to hard to not feel like you're winning when you're up at that time in the morning and yeah. you're you're rolling with your day. You know we're recording this somewhere around noon at this point, and I'm nine hours in. You know. Yeah. Um, there's something to winning at that point. And so it's been, it's been somewhat crazy, some definitely different for my family as well, but you know, where I was staying up super late now I'm, I'm typically trying to get to bed by nine or 10, you know, so a complete flip, but, uh, I feel like you're definitely getting some more performance out of that. So, and and I think you've probably experienced it to some degree where you hear like a lot of high performance or success stories about people that get up in the morning, you almost get it preached to you, right? Yeah. Pretty much. And I think, I think it's funny because like a lot of times there's, there's people who will, will say it's really bad to do what, mm-hmm. what you're doing. The health part of it's true, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. we know that getting not a lot of sleep is not great for mm-hmm. us, but like you said, you, you know, you have a family, what you're doing, just your case alone is like, what would you do to be successful, mm-hmm. to, to get to the next step? Like you don't have a lot of choices like we were talking about. Yeah. And sometimes you, you just have to sacrifice some sleep mm-hmm. and you have to wake up earlier and it's just, it's funny because people kind of bash like, oh, you don't have to wake up in the morning to lift, to get a good yeah. lift. And it's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But how often do you not get a lift in if you don't do it first thing in the morning? Yeah. Because you have all these other things you need to do. So there's just, there's just a balance to it all. And yeah, I'm not a big fan of that word balance. But that being said, I know my wife was even talking to me about, you know, how important it is to get eight hours plus sleep. But, you know, if you think about that, that's you do, you get that, you're going to sleep a third of your life. Mm -hmm. So that's a third of your day and it's a third of your life if you do that. So, I mean, time is precious. So I'll roll a little bit and getting up that early. You know, I was watching something a couple of months ago with the the football coach with the dolphins. What's his name? Oh man. I know exactly what he looks like. Yeah. 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 Looks like an engineer. (laughs) And, uh, you know, he was talking about how he had to be in when he was working for another NFL team and he had to be in at 6 a.m. And the coach would be calling his office phone at 6 a.m. for a check to make sure he was in. And he said, like, he'd miss him. 
he ended up getting fired. I don't believe it was so much because he was missing the 6 a.m., but it was kind of like the stuff we talk about in our program where you're stacking bricks and it, you're either stacking really good stuff or you're stacking things that aren't very good. And he ends up getting fired. And like I said, I don't think it was because he got in at 6.05 versus 6. But now he gets to Miami Stadium and ESPN did like a documentary on him or something that I was watching. And he's rolling in there at like 3 a.m. every day that's where he gets started and, and you know he's hitting the ground running and and so I think some of that stuff fed into to mine and my flip too and if we've shown stuff you know military stuff and they say you got to be really careful when you start messing with people's schedules like you can get in some serious dangers with people if you start flipping their schedules think about people that have you know go long durations without sleeping or yeah. things like that that's not good stuff so anyway so with the sleep schedules just kind of want to cover that and and say like you know for somebody that has spent most of my entire life being a person that did not like getting up early in the mornings might even say things like I'm not a morning person yeah you know I'm not very productive in the morning to all those things too I'm much more in flow at 7 p.m or midnight or whatever it might be to just flipping it all and and rolling at two you know I, I we're gonna get into Zach being here in town I picked him up from his hotel this morning to take him to the airport and I picked him up at 4:40 this morning you know to take him to the airport mm -hmm. normally my old schedule I would have been trying to find an Uber for him or see if you want to do it or, you know, but yeah, it was no problem. So it's yeah. pretty crazy. And, and just really proof I've shown to myself that you can make changes and you can make significant changes even when you believe like that you're not a morning person or that, you know, you don't function well. It's crazy. And so we're getting ready to transition into not only different weather, mm -hmm. You know, it's gonna, it's getting colder and there's snowflakes and things like that. And then um, just transitioning into where we don't have inner squads, we don't have scrimmages, we got something that we call separation season. And what's been your take so far? So far has been um, a lot of me getting adjusted to the whole college coaching, being the first year, learning, uh, getting used to the way that we do things. So I feel like that's been the majority of it. I'm gonna miss being outside. I like everything about being outside. But I know that going inside is very necessary for the development because we could just get so much more done with uh mm -hmm. with our hitters and yeah. and pitchers. Yeah, there's just a there's a certain aspect of being outside though that I'm I'm gonna miss. So yeah. not looking forward to that, but looking forward to getting better inside. Yeah, I was just uh, while you were talking, I was pulling up our practice plan for today for the offensive side of the practice plan and. I think you kind of sell yourself short a little bit as we talk about data collection and sensors <laughs> connecting and and what machine and at what distance and at what miles per hour it's going to be and who's loading the machine and <laughs> and whether it's from the left side or the right side and who's collecting batted ball metrics and and uh, biomechanical and I, I see you even got me in there doing some KVAS <laughs> stuff. So, um, yeah, I think you're selling yourself short. That's that's what success looks like. And that's really what development looks like, too. Yeah. It's, it's not a cookie cutter system. It's not smoke and mirrors. It's it's stuff that you're very intentional about. And you're just working on helping people find that best version of themselves or at least attempt to try to find the best version of themselves. And you're doing a heck of a job. And the fall season has been a ton of learning for all of us. It's not just you. We're, we're constantly learning, we're constantly trying to get better. And we've got 25, 26 freshmen on the team and, oh, yeah. you know, you're fresh out of high school. And, and so, you been know, a blast. You, you're, you're, you're constantly uh, teaching and, and reinforcing and, and then teaching again and reinforcing and, and hoping that some things start sticking. And we've seen that, you know, yeah. the, I really feel like the, the team from, you know, August 10th when we started, if you took a snapshot, which we did in a lot of different ways, and maybe I can hit on a couple of those too in here in a minute, but take a snapshot on August 10th and then take another snapshot in October, mid-October, and you're like, this team looks significantly different. We use our, our strength and conditioning, our nutrition, all those things are vital to development. And we've got multiple in-body machines here on campus and in-body reports are due, I think, in a couple of days. And some of the players are handing them in early, which success leaves clues. The guys mm -hmm. that are getting them in a couple of days early, it's great. And, you know, we've got a freshman that's, leave him nameless, but a freshman that just turned his in and he's gained 13 pounds since 
we measured them on August 10th. And so the average person would be like, oh, okay, well, 12 of those pounds is muscle. Um, but it's, it's incredible. It's, yeah. but that's, you know, sleep schedules or anything else. If you're intentional about what you want to do, you can do some incredible stuff. And I think you can tell by looking at them, but you just can't tell how incredible it, it has been because I've noticed it. And if I brought up his name, I'm sure you would say, yeah, I agree. I've, he's an outfielder. I, I, I've noticed it as well. Yeah, he's an outfielder. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think he's growing taller too. Yeah. Well, that can happen. I think he's just getting yeah. bigger all around. Yeah. So just a lot of those stories, uh, Greg and I were talking about it earlier this morning. A lot of those stories just don't end up getting told, you know, yeah. that you just don't see them. They're not on social media or anything else, but th th there's some really, really cool stories. And speaking of stories, I I'm think that I'm hearing word that uh, there's going to be a documentary made about the uh, Stars baseball team and, and Coach Cut. So um, that's that's coming down the line and uh, they're gonna, I think they're going to be following us this season. So it's kind of huge news. So. Um, yeah, yeah, it's official. So, um, Zach Sorensen, you know, I, I mentioned that I was taking him to the airport at 445 this morning. He had an early flight. He flew into Lansing a couple days ago, picked him up from the airport and then brought him to his hotel and then got him checked in and then brought him to I'm trying to think where we went after that. I think we went to, oh, we came to campus and he spent uh, the afternoon on campus with the stars and in the in kind of a classroom setting and you know zach is the mental performance coach for the atlanta braves and he does a lot of stuff with brian kane and he's kind of brian's right hand man and a lot of different things including hikes and crazy <laughs> stuff too but zach had a you know he's got some really good experience in baseball was a professional baseball player had some some of that experience played in the college world series with wichita state you know back in the day um so he's been to omaha and he just brings a, a wealth of knowledge. And so pretty incredible that he's flying into Lansing to work with the stars team. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, it was nice to really be able to spend quite a bit of one-on-one -on -one time with him and just talk about just normal family stuff. His family and my family lines up, you know, with a lot of different things and he makes his home in Utah. And what'd you kind of take away in the, in the amount of time that you had, because a lot of this stuff that we bring up, whether it's in leadership or, other places might not be completely out in left field, but some of it is new, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, um, <clears throat> the biggest takeaway, I, I couldn't even put it down to, to one necessarily thing, but it was the fact that he, when, when you talk about mental performance, like a lot of times we like, we were talking to just get told like, you gotta be tough. Right. And then people don't really give you like a way to go about that. And so the biggest thing I took away was he just gave tons of little snippets of ways that guys could pick up there are probably more than 10 ways that you could like judge yourself on the field and, and bring yourself back to a place where you're competing. Well, he talked about the controlled intensity scale, which, you know, like what, whatever level you play best at and getting back to it all the time, the red light, yellow light, green light. I mm -hmm. like that one. When things are going out of control or starting to, you know, you're in this yellow light mode and I could just keep going, but he basically just kept giving ways for you to not only slow the game down, but ways that you could easily remember through these like simple mm -hmm. little two, three minute tactics. Yeah. And like really routines, tools and processes, tons of tools. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, I think guys probably at least picked up one and that's what I really liked because no way every guy picked up everything, but I know that, that they'll remember one and I think they'll use it at some point. <laughs> yeah. And he'll be back. He'll fly back in for our first pitch dinner and that's going to be another huge thing. So He'll fly back in for that. He'll be our keynote speaker, and he'll, so he'll be back around for a couple of days. And then once our season gets going, he'll fly in for a few days and be around the team too. So we'll see him quite a bit this year, and we're extremely fortunate to have that kind of stuff. We were, you know, we still have Brian Kane involved with our program too, and we're just extremely blessed for a JUCO to have the things that we have. And yeah. it certainly uh, is is humbling at times. I know as we were driving around Lansing a little bit and going out to lunch and stuff, I was thinking about pretty impressive having these people come into our program and and be willing to work with our players so pretty cool and you know the mental performance stuff is not smoke and mirrors i think if anything that's that's some of the stuff that i've heard as we continue to have a lot of success is it's it's smoke and mirrors and don't know anything about the game of baseball and you know all that stuff it's it the mental performance piece is you know i think zach said it best it's it's 90% of the game and it's practiced, you know, the least out of anything. Mm -hmm. So it's a big piece of the game and 
not only the game, but life, how you respond to stuff, you know, and uh, a lot of times things are not going to go your way and you've got to be able to respond. And it can be as simple as driving your car into work yeah. in the morning. You know, it can be a lot of different things. And spending time with Brian Kane was something bad happens. You say good. And he's just, yeah. And and that's where, that's where it came from. And it's just good, good, you know, and, and it changes your mindset, even though whatever's happening at that time isn't real good, but it's kind of like good. That's why I say Roger that. Because something, if you journal and you document stuff, you'll see that no matter what happens to you, something good will come from that. It it might not be that second, it might might not be that day, but at some point something good is going to come from that. And so you're just kind of saying good good let's let's roll you know yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out so yeah I, I think just kind of circling back a little bit you know whether it's with mental performance changing your sleep schedule learning new things or continuing to grow for the most part anything's possible and when you're around contagious proximity of others you can just start growing you know exponentially and that's it's kind of what we try to do with our players too and you know, we kind of touched on that a little bit, how the, how much you see them change in just, you yeah. know, three, three months. And it's not just physically because physically they are, but mentally and uh, with the hope that maybe down the road they'll, they'll use it. And maybe that will be this month. Maybe it'll be in, in May or June and maybe it'll be in five years, but some point they're going to fall back on it. Anything else to add on that? I did want to touch a little bit on the, like the contagious proximity. I'm sure people who listen to this know what it is. But like, like, I'll just use myself as an example. If if I would have went into a program with my first year and I would have had a head coach, I saw working underneath the head coach who was just just went out there, just had a normal practice, just kind of rolled the balls out there. Uh Like, hey, let's just hit some fun go. Let's practice for two hours and let's let's get off the field. You know, if I would have had that, even with what I know about development, I would have gotten worse. You know, because like if I, if all I was around was people who were okay with being good enough, I would have it would have been hard for me to get better. But when you got your HC waking up at two a.m. in the morning and you feel like he's kicking your butt, it, it makes me want to do that much more. So um, hopefully, you'll get to the point though where I start making making you better at I, some point. I, I think that anybody that's trying to get better in their life makes not only me better but makes everybody else better. Yeah, and and you're true. you're certainly there. And we've got a lot. We've got a staff that's like that. And and we've got a lot of players that are like that too. And that's why, you know, we, we have terms like uncommon and that's where it comes from. So appreciate having you, having you on this morning. Appreciate you being here. Thank you for joining us in the WLNZ studios. Stay humble, stay hungry, go stars. Coach Cuts Corner is recorded live in the WLNZ studios. Engineering and production assistance are provided by Dedalian Lowry. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it and follow us on all the platforms of social media. You can find more about our program at lccstars.com. And donations to our baseball program can be made at the same site. See you next time. Connecting you with Lansing Community College, this is LCC Connect. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. If you're considering returning to school, exploring career options, or needing support in life transitions, Lansing Community College has the Adult Resource Center available to qualified students. The Adult Resource Center staff provides one-on-one appointments, registration assistance, referrals to community and campus resources, tuition and childcare grants, academic advising, and other helpful tools to help with your educational career. To find out more information, visit lcc.edu and search Adult Resource Center. Lansing Community College's Business and Community Institute provides businesses with customized, synergistic trainings that realize logistical opportunity. Learn more about the future of business today at lcc.edu bci. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. This is Melissa Ford-Lockin. Rosalie Petrowski. Susan Seraph and Jess. 
editors for the Washington Square Review. Washington Square On Air showcases the poetry and fiction of the latest edition of LCC's literary journal, The Washington Square Review, read by the poets, authors, and editors themselves. Expect the unexpected as our contributors express experience and fantasy with humor, imagination, poetic license, irony, and passion. If you love language at its most original, please join us in our audio town square to celebrate a community of writers spanning from around the world to Lansing. This is Melissa Fordlocken, editor for the Washington Square Review. I'm here today with Kyle Ray, whose piece, The Watchman, is in the summer issue of the Washington Square Review. Hi, Kyle. Thanks for coming. Hi. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. So tell us about your piece, The Watchman. How did you come to write it? Yeah. Um, so lately, I've been interested in writing kind of loose folklore and um, fairy tales. Um, so this was kind of a first attempt at that. Um, but I was really inspired by this Scottish folktale of the Paisley Witches, um, which is about like a group of women that were convicted of um, witchcraft in Scotland in the 1600s. And they were seen as um, servants to a family, the Shaws, um, the Shaws believed that they were trying to like ensnare their daughter into witchcraft. So the story kind of started from there, but I used that as a way to explore ideas of queerness and kind of feeling like an outsider in your own family and your own surroundings. Was what was the experience of writing the story? Because it's it's a fairly chilling, eerie story, a little disturbing. Um, you know, to read at the beginning when you when you start to understand what's going on. How did that feel to write that? Yeah, um, I wrote it pretty quickly, pretty much in just one sitting pretty late at night. Um, and it was just kind of like all at once. Um, and I went back and did a quick cleanup draft afterwards. But um, yeah, it just felt very fast and... Um, definitely eerie but I was trying to go for that tone of kind of just like insidiousness under the surface yes and the the tone really um, weaves in well with the situation of the character like you said feeling outside of their own home their own family and not being like them I guess and the family being threatened by the watchman so it's very gothic do you think? Yeah. And I like, I was trying to not ascribe like a specific time frame or, you know, too clear of a setting. So I tried to like sprinkle in little hints of where and when it could be taking place, but also leaving it open um, to just being kind of like, it could be like a mythical version For of sure. the world we're living in now. That's very much like other um, folk tales and folklore. They can be translated to different times and places. That's, that's pretty fascinating when you think about it, that the story is the story and you can move it around into different locations. And it will have a slightly different meaning in each of the different locations, but the story remains you know, powerful in its own right. Yeah, exactly. How did you get interested in, in folklore and folk tales? Um, I think I've always been interested in kind of darker themes and darker films and stories. I love any twist on like a grim fairy tale ever since I was younger. I've always been like a big Tim Burton fan. And so things like that have always inspired my writing. Um, I just feel like I'm just now allowing myself to kind of lean into that aesthetically Mm -hmm. But this is the first story that's kind of exploring that Good. aspect of my creativity. That's exciting. What do you think was holding you back before? Um, I don't know. I guess maybe like a fear of not getting it right or feeling. I feel like people have their own experiences with, you know, um, gothic themes and folklores and fairy tales. And it feels kind of daunting to stick a toe in and not get it right. 
So I feel like that's definitely held me back. My writing tends to stay more in the realist realm. Um, so yeah, it felt exciting. Great. Well, we're very glad that you sent it to us. What were you writing before? So um, I've been working on a novel. Um, it was I finished my MFA last year, so it was my thesis. Um, it's called Hounds of Love, and it's about a queer couple who are both, um, they're both college dropouts and they're struggling with money in New York and they decide to get a sugar daddy together. Um, and that kind of leads to them questioning their own desires and their identities and it ends in a kind of violent way. But at its heart, it's just a queer love story um, and like a coming of age. So that tends to be what I gravitate towards are queer stories about love and identity. And you said it's set in New York, and you yourself are in New York. Yes, I live in Brooklyn and Bushwick. How long have you been in New York? Um, so I moved here in 2020, in July, during the pandemic. <laughs> That's um, a crazy time to move. <laughs> it was very weird. I came um, for grad school. I got into the new school in 2020. And at the time when I was admitted, we didn't know if it was going to be in person or not. So I just ended up moving just in case. We were all Zoom classes for my first year. So I technically didn't have to move, but um, I don't know. It was a cool time to come to the city. I mean, everything was weird and all over the place. And I was an essential worker. I worked at Target and that job transferred with me when I moved from home. So it was weird to see, like, I'd be alone on the subway going to work most days. And like when the museums reopened, the first time I went to the Met, like it was just me and my partner alone in the galleries, which is never going to happen again. So it was just an eerie time. To so be in the true city. that it would, yeah. that that's never going to happen again. That must've been right. a really intense experience. <laughs> you said home. So where did you move from? Um, I'm from Northeast Ohio. So I'm from a smaller city called Youngstown, which is like about an hour South of Cleveland. And you went to Youngstown state. Yes, I did. Yes. Talk a little bit about that. So because you went from a very small school to a school in a big city, you know, what was that like? Yeah. Um, so I did. I graduated from Youngstown State. Um, that took a while. I actually initially went to Cleveland State for undergrad. I transferred a few times to a few different schools, changed my major a lot, dropped out for a few years. But I ended up going back in 2017 for English. And at the time, I thought I was going to um, try to become a teacher, high school. But I took a young adult writing workshop my first semester. And my teacher, Rebecca Barnhouse, um, she was really just such a champion of my work, very encouraging. She would give me books that she thought that my writing was in conversation with. And she really was the first person who got me thinking about my writing in a more serious way. And so I ended up minoring in creative writing and my last year applying to graduate programs and I got accepted to the new school. So that's, that's where wonderful. I went. Um, yeah. I'm a little curious, where did you start? Because you said you shifted, you kind of wandered a little bit and then shifted into writing. Oh yeah. I initially was going to school for theater. I was a big actor in high school. I used to do all the plays and the talent shows and all that community theater. But yeah, I don't know. I was in a pretty rough relationship when I was 18 that lasted five years and it wasn't the most encouraging situation. So he kind of soured me on my acting dreams, but I ended up coming to writing in the end. So I think it worked out the way it was supposed to. There is a little bit of crossover with the creativity and self-expression because there's a lot of self-expression in writing. Have you written any, you know, screenplays or any plays? Do you think you will? I think about it. I took some screenwriting classes in undergrad and I enjoy it, but I also find that it's a little um, limiting because you can't be as expressive with the language and the mm -hmm. descriptions. You have to leave it up to the direction. Right. Um, so that gets a little tough, but then you just have to be more creative with your dialogue. So mm -hmm. I'm back and forth on it. I definitely write about acting, but I haven't. Mm -hmm. fully fallen into playwriting or screenwriting. It's very interesting to think about the writing process between the two. As you say, you're telling a story, but you're telling it in a very different way. Mm -hmm. And that's um, once you get used to being able to get inside the characters' heads, it, it, I could see how it would be hard 
to get out again yeah. and just yeah, write I'm, this story. <laughs> definitely. I'm really big on first person narratives and being very voicey with my prose. Um, so that is something that is a struggle for me writing in a screenwriting or a playwriting capacity. But I could see how coming from theater, writing in first person would be satisfying for you because you're creating the character's voice and you're creating the character's uh, personality and emotions through that first person narrative. Yeah, for sure. It definitely feels more immersive and kind of like I get to play pretend and mm -hmm. gets me in the mind of my characters more. Yeah. I know that you uh, work at the Greenlight Bookstore. I'm curious about that. Tell us what that's like. Yeah. Um, so I've had a lot of weird jobs since moving to the city. I worked at Target when I moved here, which was a nightmare. Um, but then I worked at a couple parks. I worked at the High Line in Central Park, just doing like visitor services stuff. Um, and then eventually I got a job at the Strand, which that experience led me to Greenlight, which I've been with for a few months now. Um, but it's interesting. It's just like a neighborhood bookstore towards downtown Brooklyn. So we get a lot of families, um, but there's a lot of celebrities that live in the neighborhood. So like one day Maggie Gyllenhaal came in looking for Joan Didion books. Like it's a very weird <laughs> group of customers, but we do have a lot of great literary events that happen in store and offsite. Um, and those have allowed me some great networking opportunities with different authors, different agents, I just met Emma Klein last week, who's one of my favorite novelists, and I got to talk to her about her book, The Girls, which was huge for little undergrad me. So yeah, it's definitely given me some great life-changing experiences. That sounds really exciting. It's an independent bookstore, yes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do, does the bookstore specialize in any kinds of books, or is it just general books? It's pretty general. Um Definitely a larger fiction selection than anything else, but it's pretty broad for how small the store is. Um, they definitely like to champion local voices. So we do a lot of events with local authors and we have, um, we're big about carrying small press. We have independent press displays and we'll do independent press events too. That sounds great. So where is this bookstore? So anyone who's listening can come and check it out. Yeah, so it's in um, Fort Greene in Brooklyn. It's 686 Fulton Street. It's right off the C train. So, yeah. Nice. Um, so I'm really curious. You, you said that you've you described having worked at very different kinds of places since coming to the city. How have the jobs contributed to your writing or maybe gotten in the way of your writing? Um, so, I mean, being in grad school and working two jobs was a nightmare, but I got through that. Um, definitely hindered my free time, but I feel like it also gave me more of a drive for my writing of just being like, you know, I'm giving all of my time in my day to these things that are just helping me pay my rent. But I have this specific thing that means something to me that I'm working on for myself. And it just gives me more, um, yeah, I guess, push to work on my writing. Um, Definitely working in the parks gave me a lot of people watching and a lot to write about, just getting to know the different people in the different neighborhoods of the city. Um, working in the, high, in the High Line in Central Park, I was all over Manhattan. So just all different kinds of tourists and locals talking to me on a day-to-day -day basis and just wild experiences to write about. I would think as someone who was experienced with theater, you would be able to hear the different accents and observe the facial expressions and kind of soak those in and then save them up and use them when you're, you're writing your own stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. That's very cool. You mentioned nightmare at work a couple times. So I'm very curious, are there anything, any things that stand out that perhaps did make it into a story or maybe will in the future? I mean, there's definitely been some issues with human fecal matter in the parks that I won't get into, but um, will probably be written about at some point. Um, there's a moment in the first chapter of my novel when I was at work and one of my friends was visiting me at the High Line and we were just like walking the park together and some man just stopped in front of us and he just said, look, it's Mother's Day, just to the two of us and like two mid-20 
something queer people it made no sense but we were just laughing about it all day like do we look like mothers like what what is this so yeah just all kinds of experiences that's very cool so since you're in new york if someone was going to visit and you wanted to kind of give them a day of kyle what would you suggest they do that's such a good question um i'm a big biker so definitely one of my favorite things to do in the city, specifically in Brooklyn, is to bike around. I think it's one of the best ways to see the city. So my favorite bike route, I live in Bushwick, so I'll like bike from Bushwick over to Prospect Park. Um, I'll do a full lap of the park, and then I'll bike up to the Brooklyn Bridge. And then I'll just ride the East River all the way up Brooklyn to Greenpoint and turn around and come home. It's a great way to see pretty much all of North Brooklyn you're seeing the skyline and the bridges and the parks and it's just like a lovely way to spend the afternoon and then i guess in the evenings there's this club in bushwick called three dollar bill that i really love they get a lot of great drag shows a lot of amazing local drag artists and also well-known drag artists from tv and rupaul's drag race and all that um so that's a great spot um yeah i also love just going for walks so um, a couple weeks ago, I walked from the bottom of Manhattan to the top. So I got to see the whole city in a day, which was exhausting. But um, yeah, my favorite spot in Manhattan is definitely the, the, the main library in Bryant Park. I do a lot of writing there. That sounds great. When you're writing, do you usually listen to music, have snacks? How does that go? Yes, I love to make playlists for whatever I'm writing um, to kind of get me in the right mindset or mood. Um, I'm really big on atmosphere. So playlists are a big way for me to immerse myself in that vibe that I'm going for. Sometimes if I'm like really getting deep into edits, I'll try to write in silence to just really focus on the language. But when I'm just drafting or writing something fresh, I'll be listening to my playlists or listening to them when I'm walking around trying to get ideas or form my world that I'm writing about. Yeah, I think playlists are something that can be really helpful because they can capture the the emotional atmosphere of the piece, you know, and, and help you kind of come back to it just by listening to the music. I'm interested, you were talking about writing the novel. I'm interested in the difference of your writing process between the shorter pieces and a long piece like a novel. How's that different? Yeah, I feel like I never liked writing short stories before school like I I used to write in high school a lot I never took it seriously but I, I would always like just fill notebooks with more like long form novel type projects um I just think my mind works in that way because I'm so used to reading novels and watching movies and more like long form things with short stories I think it's I don't know I feel like I really have to know what I'm writing before I write it. Um, exactly like what the theme I'm trying to go for is, what the story I'm trying to tell and like how it's going to start and end. Whereas with a novel, I can have an idea and just let myself explore and free write and kind of go with it. And then as I'm going along and seeing where it's going, start to cut back and edit down the things that aren't pulling towards the main focus. So yeah, I definitely need more structure when I'm getting into a shorter project than a longer one, which feels counterintuitive. It does. <laughs> just is how it works for me, I guess. I understand what you're saying. That, that makes sense. But I think with a short piece, there's not a lot of words to waste. So you got to make them right. you know, work for you. That's, that's very interesting to think about. So you mentioned the novel. Is that your current project? Yeah, so I just... Um, finished up a fresh draft i actually new york magazine came to the bookstore for a book launch we did for um katherine lacy's novel biography of x and they did their um they have a section called the lookbook where they go to like different events in the city and take pictures of people who are there so i posed for that and then they called me for an interview and they were like we're going to use your picture in the magazine um but i didn't know it would be like a thing so I talked about my novel, obviously, and how I was looking for an agent. And they ended up using it, the picture, as like the main piece in the lookbook. I got like a full page, and they used my little blurb about my novel pitch and that I was looking for an agent. 
Um, and I've been in contact with quite a few agents and some editors since then. So I'm really focusing on cleaning up the draft I have now and um, trying to find an agent with that. Um, but I'm also working on a new novel that is kind of in its early days that's a little more auto-fiction about, um, you know, my queerness and being new to the city and more experiences I've lived. So yeah, that's still fresh, but I'm seeing where it goes. That sounds great. Both of those sound wonderful. If people would like to stay in touch with you and your writerly world, where can they find you online? Yeah, so um, I am on Instagram and Twitter. My Twitter is at a queer Aquarius. Um, and my Instagram is at KJREA, which is just my first and middle initial and last name. Um, there's also a link to a link tree on my Instagram and my Twitter, which has links to all of my published work. Awesome. That sounds great. So if people follow you, they can see when your book comes out so they can get their exactly. own copy. Beautiful. Well, <laughs> thanks. Green light. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks a lot for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for publishing me. Thank you for listening to our talented poets and authors. Until next time, this has been Washington Square On Air. Where we showcase selections from Lansing Community College's Literary Journal. The Washington Square Review. A publication featuring writers in the Great Lakes State. Across the nation. And around the world. To find out more about the Washington Square Review, visit lcc.edu slash WSR. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed sharing. This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.